Ever wonder what it's like to win a million dollars playing the game we love? Well, tonight's three guests, guests have done it on the biggest stage in the biggest tournament. And they're here to tell you how they've done it. And maybe help you get a little cash this year. Let's get to it. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the district for another Thursday tailgate. And we got a huge one tonight. Our guest tonight, I apologize. I got the number, you know, once it gets <laughs> over six digits, man, it's all the same to me. 500 grand, you know, a million. It all feels good, right, guys? It all feels good. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Dom, Sean, and Nick. We appreciate you guys jumping on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed meeting you guys out in Vegas uh, this year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, these these guys, they, they know how to have a good time, and they know how to win leagues. So nice. that's, a, that's a great combination for Vegas. My kind of guys. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go around? We'll give you each a chance just to, you know, give your, your name, your, your handle, all that fun stuff so people can follow you guys on Twitter. And maybe just give us a quick taste of what it feels like to win that kind of money playing fantasy. Let's start with Nick. Nick came in late. I already talked to the other guys. Let's let's get Nick fired up here and ready to go. Let's do it. Sorry, oh, well, we... I missed I missed your No, part. sorry, brother. Just why don't you, why don't you just why don't you just share your your Twitter handle and uh oh, let let the audience know what it's like to win a half a million. Oh my god. Such an unreal feeling. You know with our team last year, we had a lead um by 32 the last week, so our run was a little bit different than probably most because we had, you know, a comfortable lead going into the last week. So that last week was unbelievable run, and uh, we locked it up by 53 points. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, underscore Nick Koss. I don't really tweet too much, but, you know, I like to uh, hop on Twitter a good amount of time, but I don't, I'm not really a tweeter. So that's why you got to tune in here, guys, into the district. That's why you get all the goodness. You might not share it on Twitter, but we're going to squeeze it out of them tonight, right, Dan? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Sean, I, I asked you. I'm going to keep you for last, okay? I'm still mad at you. Let, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go to Dom. Dom, how, how, how did that feel, man? What's that, what's that weekend, like leading up to that weekend when you know how much money is on the line? How does that feel, man? 
Hey, JD, hey, Dan, hey, Chad, Don Barani. Uh, well, we got your scratchy, your scratchy. We got aliens. Again. All right, I'm staying really still. I'm going to turn off my headphones after I'm done talking. But listen, that last weekend was maybe a fugue state. I had been in a fugue state for a long time. We were in first place from week nine or so, and it was so surreal. It hadn't been processing yet. It's almost like you have to keep your head down. Just focus on those last line of decisions, keeping your ear to the ground on the news. Yeah, you know what, uh, Dom, maybe okay. try to... I'm going to take the headphones off. Yes, or, or even if you try to leave and come back, sometimes that'll that'll fix it. Dom, or Sean, why don't we go to you, man? I, I asked you, I'm joking around, but dude, you're living the dream <laughs> right now. Why don't, why don't you explain to the audience what I'm talking about? Yeah, so, well, first off, my Twitter handle is at Sean underscore, Scots, uh, underscore Stutzman. Um, and yeah, I... The, uh, winning the, the half a million uh, gave me the opportunity to actually follow my dream. I quit my job and have been uh, playing poker and fantasy for a living uh, ever since. Bastard. Trying to make, trying to make the, yeah, I know it's, uh, it's, that's been, how it's, it's done been, though, man. That's how I it's done, say, right? It's, yeah. It's been an amazing ride. It's been a lot, a lot of fun and I've been doing uh, really well with it actually, which uh, has really made it, you know, very fulfilling and, and very exciting for me because I wasn't sure when I decided to make that move that it was going to work. So um, but it's it's uh, definitely worked very well so far, and we're gonna uh, definitely keep going with it. So it's very exciting. Good for you, Sean. Man, I'm happy to hear you. I'm I'm just teasing your brother. You take yeah, risks, yeah. and when it pays <laughs> off, when those risks pay off, man, man, does it feel good, right? Oh, it's it, yeah, it's definitely it definitely does, and it's yeah, it's been like I said, I've been I've been I've been lucky to run good and have some uh, pretty helpful people around me in the the community around here. There's a good poker community in Buffalo, and. Um, Definitely had some some good help from uh, some of the players, really kind of refining my game and getting better um, over the past you know eight months or so, which has been a big deal for me for sure. So. So, there's a parallel there, I think, with poker and fantasy. I know just being part of both worlds, there there's a, a good community in, in both both realms. Dom, I, I know you really don't want to share all your tricks and tips and and how to get that that cache, but uh, do we have a, a clear signal now? Yeah, can you guys hear me okay? I'm relying Perfect. on the MacBook audio. Perfect. So no headphones. Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it felt great. Uh, I had actually just bought a house kind of coincidentally about, what, six weeks or so before we won the prize money. Uh, so first that's time. Con that's up. confidence, boys. That's what you call confidence. <laughs> first, first time some extra money in your pocket. I mean, you can imagine, like, kind of where some of the went. And as far as, like, how it felt, I mean, it was such a surreal run having been in first place for over two months consecutively um hadn't relinquished the lead i mean as far as i understand it that's pretty unprecedented that kind of makes sense to me like there was just something surreal about the whole moment and even just coming down to the end and and thinking you might have it but it's still just not feeling real i will say just as a caveat to anyone listening out there Money's great and winning the prize money and the glory is great, but it will not fix problems in your life. It won't necessarily change anything about you. You'll wake up the next day and you'll kind of feel the same as you did before. Um, just a couple extra uh, dollars in your bank account. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd be remiss without without saying that as well. No, that's and, and I, I feel like we hear that right, Dan, like from people who win big amounts. That's that's a common kind of response. I feel that I, I've heard before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, money money definitely won't fix problems. It uh, it just makes sometimes them a little bit easier to deal with temporarily. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're in debt or something, it it can fix those kind of problems. But uh, yeah, it as as far as the things that carry you through life, 
won't do a lot for you. So let me ask you, Nick, uh, before we kind of get into the, the goodness and we're going to deep dive, we're going to we're going to get a feel for how you guys won this thing and, you know, how you can help our audience this year and moving forward. But did you were you guys playing fantasy together prior to last year? Is this something you did for the first time? Do you guys normally co-own teams? What's the history there between the three of you? Yeah, that was our second year doing main event leagues together. So we had done two leagues previously. And we did pretty well, but we got slammed by injuries. So those teams didn't do that well. But we went to the drawing board and figured out a better formula to having a deeper team to be able to withstand a little bit of injury and, you know, COVID stuff at that point. So we, we wanted to hammer home getting good receivers, a good tight end, and then go from there. So receivers, tight end. Now, if we, if kind of going into the season, are, do you guys have similar approaches to roster builds? Did you go in with like a zero RB approach? Did you go heavy RB? What was what was the the strategy going into the season? We wanted to try and diversify it up and not really stick to any one strategy. But we didn't really hammer running backs early too much. If we did, it was only one or two, and then we waited forever if we wanted another one. So. We kind of wanted to do hero for the most part or sprinkle in some zero strategies. Yeah, I'd say if we had to pick something as a favorite, if I had gone to my head and had to pick a favorite, I'd say it's probably hero. Um, often seeing like a one running back in the first two picks and then another running back um, in the dead zone kind of thing, five, six, seven, uh, depending on your draft position and how it shook out. As far as our process, I mean, we, we grew up together. We grew up playing in leagues together, not for high stakes, right? At some point, um, we wanted to kind of step it up and take it to the next level. Cause alluded to like our first year of our partnership. I mean, there's definitely some some learning curves, some kinks. Like, how do you co-manage a team? How do you <laughs> settle disagreements or the awkward yeah. moments? Like, there's three of us. So let's say two of us have a <laughs> the tiebreaker guy. <laughs> yeah, the tiebreaker. Let's say the tiebreaker guy doesn't have a strong opinion. Like, how do you navigate some of that? So definitely year one, there was some learning curve there. Year two. Um, we made it a focus to kind of, um, I call it like wargaming drafts a little bit. Like once you know your draft position and like have some resemblance of ADP, just start to like rifle through some potential builds that are like, you know, plus or minus seven picks from ADP, like what you could get. Know your best case scenarios, know your worst case scenarios, know like those inflection points in the draft where you're like, hey, if I don't have a tight end by this spot, I'm going to wait six more rounds right? Where's my, where's my cutoff for quarter, like quarterback tiers and like understanding those points in the draft, like help you stay really, really flexible and like adapt to situations and not get locked into like one strategy or another. Did you have, did, Sean, did you guys have more, how many entries did you guys have together? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, this year we did seven together. Um, last, last, last year, year, last year we did, last year we did four. We originally planned on doing three right. where we each controlled kind of controlled one draft had final say and then at the last minute right towards the end we we're like you know what we're just gonna we're just gonna fire a fourth team um but yeah we had four teams Which together yeah i'm one. curious first our first our first who, draft, who, who was first who was puppet master for that one we call it like creative control right like yeah. we needed <laughs> some way to say if there's a disagreement like who has the final say so like this was the creative control it wasn't like you just bowled over everyone's opinions all the time, but like push yeah. comes to shove and someone needed to make a call. Like 
we needed to come up with some system. To I like I like that system. I like that. That's that's pretty good. And yeah. we we call on some teams. Yeah. I mean, we were pretty good. I, Dan and I are pretty. Yeah. I don't think we've ever butt heads or anything. We do own yeah. teams, the three of us. But it's like we had one football guys in a main event. I think and they're both yeah. they're both not going anywhere. So we're good. Once we, you yeah. once you spend a lot of time talking with each other, and you, you, there's some mind meld that happens, right? Like the more you yeah. do this, like there's some muscle memory that builds up, and, and you kind of get into a partnership group where like, no, we do not argue nearly as much as we did year one. And that was oh only God, two no. teams, right? Like <laughs> year one, we were all over each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did we yeah. do this? Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's do it again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So JD and I, we, <clears throat> we have a lot of dynasty teams that uh, we co-manage and, you know, we've built a good base on that where, yep. you know, when it comes to the, the season long, um, you know, it's it's really pretty easy for us to draft together. Uh, we're often thinking the same things. I mean, we do have some uh, some good discussions as uh, the draft is going along. Sometimes uh, a little bit faster discussions if it's a, a fast draft, and uh, you know, a little bit more leisurely discussions if it's one of those uh, you know eight hour drafts or whatever. But um, yeah, we I, I I think it's important to know how you're going to resolve those those problems. You know, before they happen. Um, as much as possible. And it sounds like the first season was kind of where you guys figured all that out. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair to say. I'll, g- I'll give you another good example this year, too. So some of, during our preparation and kind of wargaming it, Kazi and I had a – we kind of saw this situation coming from the five-hole where we might have a Rashad Bateman versus Amon Ross St. Brown call. And we were on, like, separate sides of that argument. But we had talked about it ahead of time, and we knew whose team was final say. And then what do you know? when that draft cycled there, like that was the two, those are the two top guys on the board for us. And it's like, we did the work ahead of time. Like we had that conversation before the clock was ticking down. And that like, that ultimately like, really helped just like the teamwork part of it. Yeah, we all make our own rankings. So when we have discrepancies in the rankings, we look at those and talk about them before we're on the clock. So we don't have to make that decision in a minute, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like you guys all kind of subscribe to the same general uh, roster Coach. construction, though. Is it, you know? Yeah, we like general. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's it's that, you know, I think that's one of the most important things is, you know, just to, it, at least have that general strategy down, have yeah. some agreement on that. You know, this is what we're going to do here, you know, and what, you know, but also willing to roll with the punches, obviously, if the draft hands you something. Uh, being willing to take it, but uh, you know, otherwise, having that strategy I think helps a ton. Absolutely. Plus, it's just way more fun to watch and stress, and you know, be uh, kind of oh, what's the word I'm looking for, Dan? I'm blanking. <laughs> I'm not sure on this one. Well, when normally you're watching I, the game, normally I, I, I speak. Usually, you Canadian, you complete so. me, Dan. Usually, you complete my sentences, <laughs> and we're just like. I know I've been I've been I've been potting with Theo a bit so and you you know it's, it's all right we'll, we'll get it right we'll get it right so guys a kicker in defense right is usually like a kind of a obscure of the position it's like the you know it's like the the forgotten child in the family right but can also make a huge difference especially this time of year you hear a lot of guys talking about the bimageddons how they manage it so how do you guys maybe I'll go to you first Nick how do you guys manage uh, your your kickers and defenses usually? Do you usually just roll with one? Do you try to get one earlier in the draft? Or do you kind of um, – or do you ever have two on your roster, like maybe this time of year? Usually we only have one kicker for the regular season. 
And then we'll add a second one for the sprint just to have coverage in case of bad weather or injury. But um, for the regular season, we don't like to have more than one because that takes up too much capital for your other decisions. But defenses, we have two a good amount of times. Last year for our final winning team, I think we had three. We played three different defense, uh, 15, 16, 17. So we generally like to have one kicker, one D or two Ds like late season picking up mat, like the matchups. Yeah, I think Kaz kind of summarized it pretty well. I think when you're trying to figure out if it's worth it, whether or not to have a second defense on your team, um, you kind of got to think about the texture of your team, right? Like if you have a build where you have like five receivers that are perfectly capable of top 20 weeks and your RB2 is has gone to hell, right? Like you might not be able to afford that second defense because you need as many bets as you can yep. on viable RB2s to keep you going through the year. If you have a more balanced team and you're looking at cutting an RB6 perhaps that's realistically not going to play for you unless everything kind of goes wrong. That might be a situation where you want to look ahead and try to figure out, Hey, we know defense scoring isn't the most predictable thing in the world. Like look at the data. It, most people, most of us aren't good at it, but where can we find touchdown equity, right? Like in a spot or like, if you know, there's a bad spot coming up, like, do you see someone out there that you can pick up cheaply now you're not going to kill yourself by burning a roster spot and they have some touchdown equity for that week. I mean, at the end of the day, that's about the best you can do on defenses and kickers to cause alluded to as we get later and later in the year, like all these teams in the Northeast and on the East coast, like there's a lot of weather considerations and can you find spot? Can you find domes? Can you find teams yeah. that trust their guys to at least attempt 50 yard field goals? I mean, 50 yard field goals are, are touchdowns, right? Like I, I know kickers get a bad rap, but at the end of the day, those long field goals on FFPC and some of the high stakes sites, like, they're touchdowns, um, so they do matter. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think you've got to um, absolutely pay attention to the kicker position, um, you know, for those reasons. And also, you can find guys like, um, uh, you know, Greg Zerline last week, for example, you know, kicking field goal after field goal after field goal. That was one of those one of those places where I, I looked at, I got a lot of Zerline exposure last week. Because I, he was one of those four or five guys, I was like, "Yeah, this, you know, this could really be something." Kicking in a dome and you know a good kicker for a, a pretty good offense, all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I felt like there might be some points there, and just mm -hmm. kind of trying to make those kind of bets. And that's the same thing you guys are doing on defense too, just trying to make those bets. Um, Tennessee in Week 16 has uh, the Texans, uh, right. you know, so Kansas City that, next week. Yeah. Yep. It, it, you know, so you, you know where you're playing them, and you know, and you know where the, you're not playing them. So you know, it's like if you've yeah. if you've got a pretty good defense, but they got a crappy matchup on week 16, then you go take Tennessee if you can, and uh, you know, stash them on your roster. Exactly. Yeah, we have yeah. Philly actually, and that and that exact problem has yes. come, Dale comes up for us because they have the Dallas matchup, and we have Dallas in one of our other leagues. So yeah, it's so. it's that exact issue has come up for us, um, where we have to figure out okay, what do we want to do. Uh, when it comes to, you know, week 16 on defense and where we fire. I think we fired on Vegas mostly. Um, yeah. But They're we'll see how that we'll see how that plays Steelers, out. I think, yep. At the Steelers, yeah. Yeah, at the Steelers, yep. 
So and to answer I, your I, other question, we don't reach on kicker and defense. We made a rule that we oh. don't take one before the seventeenth round. So no, <laughs> we're not like a thirteenth round. That's not like team. a hard and fast rule if we're being no, super we, honest with ourselves. We, we broke it this year, I think. Yeah. But I, I, I'm more likely to break that on a defense than a kicker. I think we did it. We did it on. We needed. We wanted one share of indie defense. Look how that turned out. But like I think yeah, it was that turned out real well. Second last draft, we wanted one share. We totally took him in the 16th round. Defense is interchange like every year. So <laughs> when you reach on one of those, it's consistency is tough with defenses yeah. for sure. Yeah. Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. If you're watching right now, you're, you're hearing all the goodness. We're going to get deeper and deeper into it, uh, into some players and into this year. Before I get back to the show sheet, one of you mentioned earlier uh, learning about where you wanted your depth or how to build depth with your roster in order to go all the way to the end and take down that ship. Maybe I'll go to you, Dom. Uh, and if it wasn't you, I apologize if, if anyone wants to take over the question. But what, where exactly, what exactly did you learn from that that you came back and did better last year, in, you know, that well that you you took the whole thing down it was some of my most the most growth i had as a fantasy player over the last like three years or so since i've been playing high stake is understanding the texture of your team the strength of your positions not just like do i have four good running backs or five good running backs it's what are my running backs good at what is their floor what is their ceiling how do they all how do all the pieces fit together Right. And it's kind of like driving a car where like if you're driving a car and you're staring right in front of you on the road, you're not going to see everything. You're not going to be the best driver. Like you have to pick your head up and kind of look, look ahead. Right. Understand how the pieces of your team fit together. And like, no, we can't predict everything that's going to happen in NFL season. And the only thing that's predictable is its unpredictability. But understanding like, hey, I have a like, what's the right mixture of handcuff running backs who are zeros all the weeks except for two? that they start, right? Number of handcuffs versus pass catchers versus like workhorse. Like it's not just like the number, right? It's it's who they are and what kind of role do they have and how do those all fit together with your bye weeks, with your the injuries that you know about, right? Like you guys, how do you guys play um do you guys play best ball, Dom? Uh we do play best ball. I'm definitely going to play more best ball next year. Um I find the format like completely fascinating and it's it's a totally different game in a lot of ways, and I know I'm the, re not the reason I ask is the draft boards are kind of the visual uh, of what you're when you're talking about texture, and Dan and I talk about that how it's almost like an art when you're building the roster because yeah, you've got the the colors with the positions, but what kind of receiver or what kind of running back do you have? What weeks are are you expecting them to be effective on your team versus the other ones? So I like the way you 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 word that with the texture. But I think that you'll, you know, as you get deeper into best ball, you'll find that that becomes more, even more relevant because you're building it and then you can't do anything, right? There's no way. Right. It's harder. You only have yeah. 30 minutes or so to put it exactly. yeah. <laughs> to figure everything out. Yeah. And, and I think to Dom's point too, um, you know, the, the texture of redraft teams where you can, uh, where you do have waivers, um, it changes over the course of the season. I mean, you know, injuries will radically change that texture and you have a chance to respond yeah. to it. And how you respond often determines how that team uh, comes out. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Dan, do you have uh, – I'm kind of hogging the questions here. Do you, I'll, let, I'll let you – you've been nice and, and polite and, and quiet. Why don't you jump in with uh, – I'm sure you've got a couple. 
Well, I mean, let's talk fab real quick. Um, how, how do you guys handle fab throughout the season? Are you guys typically big spenders early? Do you do you kind of bide your time and wait? Are you trying to hold on and have the hammer at the end? Um, is it dependent on the season? What do you, you know? How do you, just in general, how do you handle it during the season? I would say generally it's situational. I mean, we we're never going to be passive. If there's a, if there's a player on the waiver wire that we think is going to significantly improve our team, we are going to fire for sure. Like we're not going to, we're not going to just lay back and not go after guys that we really, really like. So as an example, there was a George Pickens drop in one of our leagues this year. We fired Ooh. hard. A Jacoby Myers drop in one of our leagues. We fired hard, um, that kind of thing. But in general, we, we try to make sure we have, enough left towards the end but in most of our leagues this year we we were on the low side as we get down to the wire here to the point where i think we're we spent all of our money pretty much outside of maybe a couple bucks uh yesterday so um but generally speaking i think we're going to be aggressive on the guys that we want um and not really hoard the money in any way shape or form unless it calls unless the team calls for it you know like a team like last year um that won it was tough to make moves throughout the year because our, you know, we were so deep all the way down to our, and we have Michael Pittman sitting on our bench, Emmanuel Sanders first half of the year sitting on our bench. Or Michael Pittman is right. The guy is a stud and he never got into our lineup. Um, it, <laughs> rich man problems, rich man problems. Yeah, right. It was wild. Um, but we didn't, so in on that team, we had money by the end because there was not really ever a need to fire. And our, you know, our best free agent ad we, we added for barely anything when we got Burrow. So. You know, yeah, it's not it's not to say that there's no advantages to keeping money towards the end. I, the way I kind of think about it is like your hope if you save money for down the stretch, you're hoping that a player falls to you that you might have had a chance to add something impactful week one that could help you the whole season. I mean, almost any any game, any like game of strategy that you play, like the aggressive option is more than likely to be your best option. Um, and the Jeff Wilson is a great example this year of like a guy who wasn't getting drafted early at all. And frankly, like wasn't that expensive before the season. Uh, he was someone we, we prioritized everywhere is just taking like a 10 to 15% crack on. It's just like that kind of player with that, like he had track record. We know the system's good. And we got some news that says, like, hey, that role might be a lot more valuable than we think. And he was going, like, the 13th round by the end of the season. Like, you don't get chances to add those guys too often during the year. They don't just grow on trees, right? Like, take the aggressive move and spend your money. Now, obviously, you got to be strategic and, and save money for some needs and, like, anticipate, you know, look at other people's rosters down the stretch. Look at your schedules coming down the stretch and anticipate those needs. But you're not, you're not hoping that, like, a, a, a gold bar is going to fly on the sky, right? Like, be aggressive. Agreed. Let's do a quick um, chat question. Chat's been lit. I've been ignoring it a bit. Pick three, FPPR, Kenneth Walker, Ramondre, Najee, Damian Pierce, or Akers. I don't like Pierce's matchup, and I have a must-win game. Who wants to take this one first? Hmm. Well, I mean, Walker might not might not play so like that kind of yeah. is tricky um yeah Ramondre's a snap a smash obviously that's a no-brainer um I don't so think I like Akers. are we we're we not trusting acres yet are we no I don't th I think it's too early and they're off especially on a Thursday bad. are they gonna are they even gonna are they even to have that many opportunities to score touchdowns? Yeah. he's gonna be touchdown dependent um so I, you have I think you have to play Najee if he plays it's just you have to the upside is fantastic obviously there and I, I do think, I mean, I know Damian Pierce doesn't have a great matchup, but I 
think you're going to end up having to play him because I don't know that Walker he might play. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna stand alone here and say you you should play Acres and it's Ramondre Najee and Acres. I just not, not alone, Don. Not 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 alone. I, I'm right there with you, Don. I agree with that. I gotta look up the. Uh, I know Acres doesn't. I know Acres feels a little gross, but I don't think the spot is as bad as you think. And you have some other like ancillary risk here that you need to manage. Uh, right. Texans might not score right. any points this weekend, so yeah. yeah. And, and Walker, I think, is pretty unlikely to pay play. So you got to you got to yeah. make sure that you can set your lineup uh, yep. with no Walker. So I guess the only the only uh, I guess if we're looking at tonight's game, and we'll talk a bit more about it later, but Vegas uh, six and a half favorite. How much like like uh, like we said? How much is Acres going to actually get opportunity? But if you guys like them better, uh, there you go. You've got a couple options. Do a bit of more research. You've got uh, you got about forty five to make that decision. Whoever, <laughs> uh, what is that? Wombly, Wombly, welcome, Wombly. If you're new, uh, make sure you subscribe, buddy. We appreciate the question. And guys, keep dropping the questions. We'll uh, we'll answer them as we go here. Myffpc.com, guys. These guys took down half a million dollars of three of them playing fantasy football. Uh, I mean, that's no joke, guys. Check out myffpc.com. Use the link below. It'll give you a sign-up bonus. Right now, you've got the weekly challenge. The playoff challenge is coming up, and we'll we'll deep dive into we'll dive deep into those. We got our boy OG in the house. What's up, Dio? I'm 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 late. Not fashionably late. I'm just late. <laughs> it's all good, brother. You got a good reason. I'm, I'm happy we have the champs in the house. It's uh. It's uh, it's championship week in FFPC, so what better guest to, to have to get us started this week? Uh, you know, I know that Dan and I have a team in a championship game. I'm sure you guys have have a, a number of teams going. Um, it's it's nothing like a sweat on championship week. It's it's a whole lot of fun before the sprint. For sure. Is that another cue you want to drop uh, before we get back into it, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hit this one real quick. It's kind oh, of a two parter, but basically, what he's asking is he wants to add. Daniel Bellinger as another option for a flex spot. Um, he does have Taysom, Ayuk, Julio, guys like that. Or should he carry a second kicker? Um, this is for a main event. And uh, so he's thinking about, you know, the, the week 15 through 17 sprint. Who's your kicker? Uh, yeah, and yeah. also, are those your second flex options or just your flex op? Like, are those two Sec flex second, options? Looks like second, second okay. flex. Okay. Who's his tight end? So yeah. let us let us know your tight end. Oh, Ryan Suckup, uh, Theo's favorite kicker, and uh, Dan. Okay. Not <laughs> anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I think I would definitely go for the second kicker here. I don't know I, that Bellinger is ne necessarily going to get you any more than any yeah. of those other guys. Yeah, it's tight, so and his tight end's Kittle, so it's not like he's got to like you know, yeah, slide him in or anything. And, and Suckup has comfortable match. I mean, Suckup does have comfortable matchups in the sprint, but I, yeah, I mean, you've got, and you've also got like Ayuk. And I don't think from the evidence we saw in that game, I don't think it's like necessarily a lock that San Francisco just stops throwing the ball. And if they keep throwing the ball, Ayuk is going to get his, his share of that. I, I mean, he feels like a pretty comfortable play in that second flex spot to me. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. All right, appreciate the question, ML. Guys, let's jump into it. Let's start with tonight. I mean, tonight we have two teams. I mean, yeah, the spread is six and a half. We have two teams that the future is looking cloudy. You know, like like you're not you're not super confident about either one of these guys, especially LA, right? Um, if I go to you first, Sean, 
who other than Jacobs and Adams do you like on these teams if we're talking either rest of the season or even going into next year? Is there anyone else we should be paying attention to that should we be liking right now on these rosters? Oh, it's, I mean, it's pretty, I, for me, it's pretty disgusting. I guess if I was going to pick anyone, I like Matt Collins. Um, it's probably a pretty a pretty safe answer. I mean, he has shown, obviously, he has some pretty considerable ceiling. He can have some absolutely monster weeks where he just blows up. And he seems, I mean, he seems to have a lot of talent. He seems to have, like, the ability to make big plays down the field, make big one-on-one catches where he can just, you know, he, you know, Carr just throws it up and he can make those plays. I like Amir Abdullah. Um, as well as a sneak, as an interesting play, you know, pass catching, pass catching option for the Raiders. I don't like anyone on the Rams that rest of this year just doesn't seem like that's going to be an offense that's worth worth rolling at this point. But we'll see. Yeah, we got an echo. somewhere. Is it me? Let's see if that makes it better. Oh, that yeah. does make it better. It's kind oh, there of, you go. Oh, we still have an echo. Jesus. Is it better? I think it is you, Nick. I think it's Nick. Do you have the stream on, Nick, on your computer or something? Someone have their the stream on while it's uh, while we're streaming. Apologies to the audience here. All right, I think we got it. We got it. Yeah. All right, there we go. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was on the Rams. There's, it's just tough to like anyone. Anyway. I mean, for next year, if Cooper Cup gets healthy, but I, I don't know who the quarterback of the Rams is going to be next year. I don't know that it's going to be Matthew Stafford. So that's, and I mean, what are they going to do if, I mean, they're going to have to sign someone. I mean, they're taking a shot at Baker or Mayfield right now. Like, so that offense seems really, really tough to buy into at this point, too. So. Desperation oh. is calling. I can't so believe they are, I can't believe they they think the Baker worst might worst. actually play tonight. That seems like it seems like satire. Like someone's joking Wild. that he can right. be worth tuning into. At least you know, be, oh. be a little more exciting, a little more entertainment. So let, let's do this. Let's go around. Uh, we'll do a quick rapid fire. Sean, you start. Sean, you add what you think's happening in this game. Six and a half spread for Vegas, and then the the other four. You why don't you? Give your thought on tonight's game and give a name if you have another name other than what Sean gave with regards to who you like on this roster kind of moving forward or, or into next year other than Adams and Jacobs. Nick? Always He's muted. He's muted. I think, the, I think Vegas wins and covers tonight. Uh, I, okay. think, I think Vegas wins comfortably. I don't know if the Rams score a touchdown tonight. Does anyone disagree with that? Let's start there. I'm a little skeptical that the line's only six and a half because it feels like it should be more, but yeah, it feels like it's No. Yeah, that's definitely Nick. Yeah. Um, my other rest of season, if I had to pick someone, uh, Tutu Atwell finally getting a chance and might actually be somewhat good. I know he's still very, very skinny, but he's getting touches and making plays. Uh, <laughs> so if I had to pick someone. Deal? I'm, I think the line's about right. I mean, the Raiders are not not exactly world beaters. Um, you know, it, it's a about a touchdown line, so it seems about right. And I think they do win, and I think they do cover. Uh, I'll say that I have way too much Daniel Carlson. I have Daniel Carlson <laughs> in pretty much every dynasty team and then a bunch of redraft teams, so I'm hoping we get a, uh, some field goal points. And then I, I have, you know, obviously I have a little bit of Devontae Adams, uh, so I would like to see him go off. Um, I... I think Foster Moreau is not like the worst option 
Uh, you know, he to me, he's like just based on his usage, he's on the field the whole time. You know, you've got to put him as a kind of a low end tight end one, high end tight end two every single week. Um, I do have him uh, a spot or two. It's just not it's just a very consolidated uh, team, you know, like you have the two studs and then, you know, you're kind of hoping for guys like the tertiary pieces like like Moreau and, and Holland. So go Daniel Carlson for me. That's uh, that's my guy tonight. I Dan, that. I mean, you're you're almost you're pretty much expect you're you're hoping for a TD, right? When you're looking at Foster, Dan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it, it's just wild to me how little um, Josh McDaniels has stuck mm-hmm. to his priors with this team. I mean, you know, we expected uh, Josh Jacobs to be in a, a big time timeshare, which did not happen. We expected uh, you know him to feature a tight end like. Um, Waller and you know I, I know Waller got hurt but even before he got hurt he was not getting featured to the extent you would necessarily expect um in this kind of offense you know is there uh, anything there Dan moving forward with Waller like is is he a buy in dynasty is he anything or is he just dead I mean yeah I think he can come back I mean you know I I don't know how much of a buy he is um having seen what we saw in the offense to start with I mean if you can get a super cheap price on him yeah absolutely go ahead but if you can't if you can't get that discount price, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not buying into Waller that he's going to do what he did in 2019 or 2020, anything like that. Uh, you know that. The, I, I think those that ship sailed. So you know, look looking forward. I mean, you know, Cam Akers is a guy who I just don't think really fit the the Rams blocking scheme. He's likely to be released, uh, go elsewhere next year. Uh, you know, he'd be he'd be a guy I'd take a real flyer on again if you can get him super cheap. For next year, uh, this year, I, I mean, I think it's him and Kyron Williams, and uh, they're going to rely on the run. So, you know, there might be a few fantasy points to be scrounged, but I certainly wouldn't feel good about starting any of them. I agree. Dom, you guys are in Buffalo. You want to talk Bills. I could see it on your face. Theo loves talking James Cook. He's been telling Fantasyland for weeks now to get <laughs> to get James Cook. So let me ask you this. Is James Cook the head chef? Is he taking over this backfield in the next two weeks? Or is he kind of limited? Is, is his ceiling limited by either an RBBC, maybe his experience as we get closer to the, the playoffs? What, what are your thoughts on this backfield for your Bills? I would be I would be surprised if he was like a true, true league winner, um, like Rashad Penny or Amon Ra, a different position last year. I would be surprised if we got there because I think the ceiling is limited. But that being said, I don't think it's like limited enough where you shouldn't be excited about the places you were stashing him um, to the extent you need on RB2 kind of teams, and, and you need that type of player. I mean, it's the committee itself I don't think limits him. Like He can still get those like six-catch games, and he's showing some running chops now, but I don't think we're going to be full wheels up on James Cook. Theo, you agree with with your boy on? Uh, or yeah, I think that, on your boy? I, you know, it's, a, it's a big ask for him to be like, yeah. you know, uh, like giving you the twenty pl- points per game that that Penny was giving you last year. But I do think he's a very uh, reliable flex moving forward, and I think he does have a potential spike week in him. Whether he's able to do that for three straight weeks, I, I don't think he is. But I do think you know if you're using him in the three weeks, you're gonna get a spike week from him. Um, so I'm, I'm very bullish on, on cook two out of his last three games have been solid. And that one game where it was, where he was kind of a zero was a short week. So, uh, I'm, I'm bullish on him. I believe in the talent. I believe in the pass catching ability and the bills really do need 
uh, a reliable pass catching weapon, uh, you know, heading into the playoffs. So I think, you know, Cook developing helps them in real life football uh, as well as, you know, our fantasy teams. Sean, I'm going to go to you with Gabe Davis. I mean, huge hype coming into this season. You know, with the with where this offense was going, 2022, you you expected him to be a big part of that. Two weeks as a top 10 uh, receiver this year. I mean, you don't necessarily expect him to be a wide receiver one, but even as a wide receiver two, we're we're far and you know we're we're very rare this year. How do you see Gabe Davis rest of season? And is he someone that you want to invest in going into next year? Um, rest of season, the thing about Davis is he always has the upside to be the wide receiver one at any given week. There's always a chance he does that just because he's so explosive. The problem, I mean, and this maybe gets in the nitty gritty a little bit, but he only runs four routes, right? He doesn't run nearly enough routes in the offense. He doesn't do enough in the offense to create significant opportunity for himself outside of, you know, go straight and beat your guy and catch a deep ball from Josh or, you know, run down the field, cut inside and be open over the middle or go to the sideline. And he's great at those things, but those are the only things he really brings to the table. So in terms of what he can do, he can, he can absolutely crush an amazing deep ball. You know, he can be, he can be a a massive threat. Um, He can have a huge spike week, but his, his floor is zero and he, and he, so inconsistent when it comes to that stuff that I don't know if you're just going to get enough out of him often enough. I think he's a great play for best ball. I think you're ecstatic to have him in best ball leagues, but in managed leagues, when you're rolling him out there, when you just, you, you might get 40, you might get three. It's tough sometimes no. to really you're, fire. You're, the... you're ecstatic to have uh, a healthy roster at this point in best ball. I that is that true. Really... <laughs> That's true. That's true. The fields of Lamar Facts. Jackson builds are, are dust. Just it's amazing that that happens. QB builds, you know, builds. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Gabe's route tree, as Sean's alluded to, is kind of it kind of connects to some of Buffalo's red zone struggles too, where I, I think teams are starting to figure out that the Bills want to do like one of four things in the red zone. It's like roll Joshy out to the right and have multiple people crossing. It's a slant. It's an occasional fade. And then maybe some quarterback run stuff. Like we're not serious threats to run the ball when teams expect us to run the ball. And you're seeing like Gabe Davis run the same routes over and over and over again, having super limited effectiveness with like a very narrow route tree. Nick, it sounds like uh, both um, Cook and Davis flex flex spots. Let's go to the tight end position. We've got our tight end uh, guru, Dan, here. What are your thoughts, Nick, on Knox? Last year, giving us eight top 10 tight end weeks. This year, only two. Do you have a reason for that? Do you see that changing as we get more into the, the money weeks? You guys can hear me, first of all, right? We yes. can hear you perfectly. Yeah, okay, I was having a Pat Corrine moment there. Um, <laughs> I don't want yeah, my soundboard up. Knox, uh, Knox feels like a touchdown dependent tight end right now. He's just not getting used enough between the twenties. So it last year he was getting used a little bit more between the twenties and scoring touchdowns. So it just feels like this year without the lack of usage between the twenties, he's just, he's not, you know, getting enough catches to really make a difference in your lineup. So, uh, yeah, he feels like another one of those touchdown dependent guys, kind of like Foster Moreau or. You know, any one of those guys. Anyone not named Kelsey and Kelsey and Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, and, Kittle and Andrews. Yeah. yeah. Dan, Roman anything that, to add? Roman, that like bucket of 
tight end 11 through tight end like 19 and just pick whoever whoever falls in the end zone helps you that week. So yeah, I, he's he's hard to rely on. If you had a Josh Allen team, you know, you might want to jam him in there just for the, you know, you're looking for the correlation and, you know, potential potential touchdown. But I don't know. I I really it's hard it's a hard player to trust. Yeah, totally hard to trust. I mean, we we always thought that the touchdowns were going to regress from last year. Uh, you know, it was just an unsustainable rate. And then, you know, he as Nick pointed out, he's just not getting used that much, uh, even between the 20s. So, uh, you know, the double whammy like that just makes him extremely untrustable. You know, I still think he's a, you know, dynasty-wise, he's an all right tight end. But, you know, uh, hopefully he sold last year or early this year before his value completely evaporated. Let's go. Let's go. NFC uh, Dallas, another powerhouse offense, guys. Let's talk about the running backs. Just obviously, you've got Zeke there with his contract, but Pollard's been just popping, right? We've expected this. We finally see him being a bigger part of this, giving fantasy uh, land what they want as owners. How do we see this developing, though? How do we see this moving forward? How do we see this going in into next year, even? And and where do we want Pollard? to land uh, as owners. Dom, I'll start with you. I don't think we mind if he ends up back in Dallas um, and some sort of either Zeke is not on the team or like a clear reduced role. I think there are some like potentially interesting spots for him. I was looking at teams with some cap spaces as I do think um, he's going to command a decent salary at this point. I think the Chicago Bears might be a very, very fun place for Tony Pollard to end up. Um, a Justin Fields-led offense with a speedy back like him, and assuming they do a little bit more to address the receiver position than just trade away, which looks like a top 35 pick for Chase Claypool, um, that could be a sneaky, exciting spot for him, and he might get all the work he could handle there. Sean, what are your what are your thoughts? Pollard giving us in the last what five weeks? He's given us, uh, sorry, in the past, yeah, f- four weeks. He's given us three top eight uh, running back production. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been pretty clear. I mean, if not for if, if for sure this year, but even I think into last year that he's the clearly more talented player in that backfield. I mean, his his ability to his his explosiveness, his ability to make big plays, his ability to turn any any you know, screen pass into an 80 yard touchdown. Zeke just can't do that anymore, you know, for whatever, for whatever it's worth. He just doesn't have that explosiveness anymore. Um, So he's going to, I I think Pollard's going to end up, you know, being not the lead back, but I think he's going to command enough of a role um, going forward that he's just, you know, he should be a a no brainer RB one, you know, every single week, the rest of the year. Um, He's just, he's so explosive. He just, any, any, like I said, any play could be an 80 yard touchdown for him. And I think that's, you know, has to be in your lineup no matter what. I think he's going to think he's the easiest no brainer play going down the stretch here. Let's go over to the back to the AFC and let's talk about aerial game. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you for this one. One of my favorite receivers, one of my most owned guys is T Higgins. He was going at the two, three turn, I believe, uh, coming into the season, but he's only given us two weeks this year as a top receiver. I know he only has two touchdowns. His uh, target share, I believe, 19.8%, which puts him like in the, the mid-30s receiver-wise. What do we what do we see moving forward? Is is there like a positive regression coming? I don't know if I'm saying that right. I always get it wrong. But with regards to the touchdowns, 
Nick, how do you see T. Higgins uh, being drafted next year as we go into 2023? I think he's going to have similar-ish value, maybe just slightly lower down that third round. I still think being on Cincy, people are going to want in on that offense. That offense is just, they're just taking stride right now. T. Higgins, I feel like the last few weeks is starting to look like himself too. So um, I don't know. I feel like he, he feels like someone that could be really important down the stretch or even with Jamar back. Now you have to start shifting double coverage to Jamar. I think it'll open it up for T. And T was dealing with an injury there early season, multiple injuries, honestly. So it just feels like he's just getting his stride now. And I think he will be important down the stretch. I think he'll be still third rounder next year with how much people like receivers. Yeah, as far as 23 drafts go, I think there's going to be a – we were just talking about Gabe Davis. I think there's going to be a similar phenomenon – even if T Higgins has like an abysmal end to the year or God forbid, like rolls his ankle, has a high ankle sprain some way where the offense and the situation is good enough. And the players, once you start to get to mid fourth, late fourth, fifth round, you just don't feel that confident about their situations and their talent where like T Higgins is going to start to stand out on boards, even if he has a really rough end of the year and like really bad advance or cash rates. Um, Gabe Davis, I know he was like a, a social media kind of hype, player but it was the same idea right like once you got to like wide receiver 24 25 or so i mean the situation starts to stand out a ton and i I don't see how that how that doesn't happen for t higgins i do think t's like dynasty value was a little out of control going into this year like he was a pretty consensus like somewhere between wide receiver nine and wide receiver 12 in dynasty and i think that was like a little aggressive but like i said i mean it's age related, right? It's situation and just like, hey, you know he's going to be in a pretty damn good situation for the next three years. Like that's about as good as we can get with anyone in the NFL. It's like I get that, but I think that was that was a little a little much. Yeah, I I agree with Dom that uh, I think that like in in dynasty, you know, we talked about like Garrett Wilson and Alave. Like I think those guys could kind of jump him potentially in a, a dynasty startup. But in terms of redraft, I think T Higgins is. For FFPC, I think he's a third-round pick. You really can't drop him out of the third. I think more likely than not, he's an early third. And I think for NFFC and FFWC, he's a second-rounder. The guy averages 15.7 points per game this year. We've seen him be able to take over an NFL game. And at the end of the day, you're still betting on talent and situation, and he's got both. Yeah, and- look at the ADPs for like third, fourth round receivers this year and like how they're doing. It's not like there's a huge list of people like you mentioned Olave and Wilson. Like, yeah, those guys could leapfrog him, but not a ton of other receivers. In Dynasty. I think that, I think I think it's I think it's like that'll be an interesting and that's a that's a good offseason question. But when you start ranking the wide receivers for next year, mm-hmm. like uh I think that there's gonna be a ton of them, like like you guys said, how wide receiver crazy it's gonna be. But I think the first round's gonna be so wide receiver heavy but it's going to naturally make the second round. You're going to gobble up the rest. So like Chris Olave versus T Higgins is an interesting one for next year. You know, you might, might, might go Olave just because he's a wide receiver one, but the quarterback situation in Cincinnati is just so good. So I don't know, Dan, what do you think with, uh, with T? I mean, you know, I, I think it's a little bit overblown. He's, he's still a top 12 receiver and uh, points per game. Uh, and, you know, if you take out Michael Thomas in his three games, um, he's, he's a top 12 receiver and, you know, there's a limit to how high he can go because he does have Jamar Chase and, and Joe Mixon to compete with, but there's also a limit to how low he can go, you know? So he's one of those, those picks. It's not going to be a league winner, but he's going to, you know, 
he's going to be a solid addition to a wide receiver core. And I think those guys are going to go, you know, I don't know if he'll go early third anymore, but late third, early fourth, something like that is kind of where I see him for next year. Yeah, and you're looking at a six point over a six point difference uh, in the splits with Chase in and out of, of uh, the lineup. That just this year, looking at this year with the eight uh, versus four games with the two. So, Theo, I, I've been, you know, we've we've kind of gone through some questions. You and I have asked our guests this week about the QB situations uh, going on. I don't know if you want to start this conversation. You want to go straight yeah, to the so guests. Basically, basically, what way would you guys have gone uh, this week? Uh, basically, it comes down to kind of uh, do you if you could roster one for the rest of the season, would it be Mike White or Tyler Huntley, which were you know pretty much the only two options, uh, kind of impactful options that people could have added that lost. Don't be don't be dis and purdy like that. Don't be dis and purdy like that. Yeah. We, we got big we're, we're, Brock we're, we're, going here. We, we will. We, if you want to throw, if you guys want to throw Brock in and, and and be contrarian, go for it. Yeah, I, I have I have White, Purdy, Huntley. I'm actually not super bullish on, on Huntley in this exact. It's not it's not last year for them. It's it's not last year. It's not the same spot. And uh, I was excited, a little excited about Mike White. I mean, I don't know what else we need to see from Mike White um, to make him think like when you're getting to these desperate times, like he's the guy. He he, he gives you some access to ceiling. Yeah, and they're not scared to throw the ball in New York right. at all. Like they. They are they for what they trust him almost completely. I mean, he's obviously had pretty solid success in, in a certainly a limited sample for them. And I, to get back to what Dom said on Huntley, I, I agree with him. I, I don't know if I'm as bullish on Huntley. The offense is not anywhere near where it was last year. Obviously, not having Hollywood Brown is a big difference maker, but they don't have I mean, Bateman anymore either this year. So that's a nightmare for him. Obviously, he's got the rushing upside, which is great. But I mean, Lamar did too, and Lamar's been what? They're they're not QB running the ball this that year, well. right? No, they've run the ball terribly. So I, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be enough of a difference maker. And I think Mike White, if they keep throwing the ball with the volume that they do, he could throw them. He could throw for three hundred plus yards every week with the amount they they're going to be, you know, throwing the ball. And they're going to be playing from behind most likely this week. Um, so that's a nice, you know, a nice spot where you could be chasing some, you know, big passing a big passing game. Yeah, Mike White is very simply the answer here. It feels like. That offense is just way funner. I think they're playing better than Baltimore. Baltimore's just too banged up right now. Yeah, and for sure, sorry, Dan, go ahead. Yeah, the Jets, the Jets are just playing really loose right now on offense. It seems to me, you know, they're 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 out there. They they just have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. Um, you know, moving away from Zach Wilson uh, was you know like a, such a total shot in the arm for that offense. You can see the the spring and the the step of every player. Um, you know, that just wasn't there when Wilson was quarterbacking the team. So uh, the Jets may have stumbled into something there, uh, you know, because they're going to they're they're stuck with Wilson's contract for a while yet. But, uh, you know, they, they may have stumbled on the bargain basement uh, option that can uh, hold them out through that uh, that time period. So we usually walk out of the show uh, talking about tonight's game. We've already done that. So let's go back around. I'll start with Nick. And I mean, you're, let's go back to your bills. You guys, you guys are, are, are clearly uh, cheering for the bills. I think a lot of people this year, it'd be nice to see them uh, kind of take that, that next step. They clearly dodged a bullet, like Dan mentioned in our chat, with, a, with not signing AB. <laughs> Odell Beckham seems to be in the media right now. I mean, anytime he's doing anything, he seems to be in the news and, and headlining it. But should we care, Nick, as fantasy owners? Is he, is he going to be relevant this year? And how do you see his value 
kind of, you know, ascending or descending into 2023. Yeah, I personally don't think he has any value for this year, um, well, at least for fantasy. Um, he might he serves more of a purpose to the like the team that signs him for the playoffs, I think. Um, for Dynasty, that's another question. I think he might have some value for Dynasty because he should be good to go next year. But for this year, I don't think he has any value. And I forgot to add, remind the peeps your handle and uh, anything else you want to you wanna walk out with. Yeah, I'm at underscore Nick Koss, N-I-C-K-C-O-S. And uh, yeah, just uh, thank you guys for having me. And look for me on Twitter, even though I don't tweet too much. Uh, I'll like some of your tweets if you tweet some good stuff. <laughs> Appreciate you, Nick. Nick. Nick for sure. Nick for sure wins beard of the night. Garrett, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for that. Sean, how about you, man? Uh, about Odell, I, I agree. Odell's not going to have any value this year. I hope the Bills sign him. I think they could use him. I think it would be great uh, down the stretch to have him as an option. Hopefully he would be ready for the playoffs. It's kind of sounding iffy, though, even even be ready for like the championship yeah. game. Um, so it's a little thin there. I expect him to go to Dallas still, but we'll see what happens. He might not. If I think if he doesn't sign with Dallas, I don't know if he signs anywhere. I think he just ends up waiting until the off season, honestly, with what it sounds like his injury issues are. Um, my, my uh, handles at Sean underscore Stutzman. Um, and I'm going to leave on a, uh, a different sports note. I'm going to leave by saying uh, Tage Thompson for the heart trophy. Oh, nice, Ooh. nice, nice. Dom, where, where would you like to see Odell uh, before you give your handle and anything else you'd like to leave with? I have this weird feeling that he's going to go back to the New York Giants. Um, I, I, I agree with Sean. I, I do think in a world where he is healthy enough to play, he definitely serves a purpose for a team aspiring to win a championship this year and that the Bills definitely tick all those boxes. I don't... The AB like late talking about them together feels a little unfair. I, I know they both hogged the spotlight in a lot of ways, but I don't, I don't think we have a ton of evidence that Odell is like a, uh, a malicious or nefarious actor. I would like to think that this sideshow would not be happening if he knew he won. Like I think he thinks he's playing this year and has been underwhelmed by the talks. And I'm hoping the Cowboys is just like a leverage to to go back home to the Giants. Um, as far as his value going forward in 2023, I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to have some value still, but it'll probably be like pretty similar um, to last year, I guess. Like it's hard to see it moving the needle one way or the other. I mean, he had a fun run for the Rams and the talents there, but I don't think we're anyone's um, naive enough to think that like the health concerns and just like the general consistency is like anything worth being uh, super excited about. My handle is at, FF underscore go bills. Um, that was supposed to be like a team Twitter account at some point. I kind of just hijacked it. <laughs> I'm not like the self-appointed leader of this, this area band. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of how it worked out. Uh, shout out to my boys, Parker and Miles. It was Parker's birth, third birthday yesterday, and Tage Thompson scored five nice. goals for him. So that was pretty fun. Nice. That's pretty fun. <laughs> nice. Dan, anything to add? Uh yeah, I mean, uh, second ACL, less than a year removed from it, over 30 years old. Uh, I, I will back up the Brinks truck on the negative. You know, just bet the under, bet the under. Uh, whatever it is, I'll bet the under. He's the overripe sleeper, no E on the end. Theo, someone mentioned in the in the chat, and, and I've been saying this for a while, you're definitely the hardest working guy in fantasy. You're back on the screen tonight. Uh, you and I did a, a few shows earlier this week. Guys, go check that out. 
why don't you remind the people where they can find you, remind them of all your other goodness and who we have coming up in the district. Yes, you can find me at the OG Fantasy. You can find me here in the GOAT district, uh, you know, not daily, but we're getting there, JD. We're grinding <laughs> through the end of the season. Uh, and then you can find my written work on, on Player Profiler. Um, not a lot of help to our high-stakes people, the, it, but I'm going to keep the waiver wire column goal, going for home leaguers uh, throughout the playoffs. And uh, I have a couple other uh, written pieces coming out, kind of some reaction pieces to the season, uh, maybe some early ADP predictions and some early rankings, stuff like that uh, for next year. Uh, and then, yeah, we're, we're loading up. Um, we have Adam Levitan sat down with with Dan and I this this summer. Uh, we went at it. We're going to go at it again tomorrow afternoon. Adam was uh, team Daniel Jones, and uh, Dan and I were team Cole Komet. We bumped heads a little bit, so a lot to react with. So definitely tune in tomorrow uh, with Adam Levitan tomorrow afternoon. And then this coming week, um, we've we've loaded it up. We've got we've got uh, uh, DWZ Memphis um, Randy from from the War Zone coming in. Um, we have, uh, looks like it might be Chris Eibel next week for a high stakes show. And then we also have, uh, Anthony Amico is going to be on hopefully next week. Uh, but he's in the woodwork, which is the established the run dynasty guru. Uh, that should be very good. So we're, um, we're cooking, we're helping you out through the playoffs and, uh, yeah, it was great getting a chance uh, to meet you guys in Vegas this year. Um, continued success with your teams this year. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome having you guys on tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you guys, Nick, Sean, and Dom. Guys, make sure you're following them. Make sure you're following Dan and Theo, of course. You guys in the chat have been awesome tonight. We appreciate all of you. We're going to answer that Lamar Fields question uh, in, in the outro, in the B-side uh, in the B-side section of tonight's show. Guys, enjoy tonight's game. Get those Ws. Remember, there's another waiver wire Sunday morning. You're like me and you realize that one of your rosters is missing a kicker for this week so not not treating by mcgannon properly uh theo so hopefully you're not you're not too uh you know i mean for that one but guys good luck tonight good luck this week get those w's we'll check you all later District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. Dan, you're giving away my secrets, man. That's that's a name I have for a show later down the road. It's nice. from the poker days, right, Sean? Love it. Yeah, yeah. Poker after dark. So, guys, poker we got a question dark. about Lamar and Fields, uh, dynasty-wise. Let, let's go around. I think it's worth a quick discussion. I know you guys want to get to the game. Dom, maybe I'll go to you first. 
Still Lamar for me. Fields has been super fun this year. The passing, I know he's had some splash plays, but it's not quite there. And Lamar has some outs to go to some really fun offenses. If my conspiracy theory is that he is not going to play for the Baltimore Ravens next year, and there's a lot of fun places he could go. So Miami Dolphins for Lamar Jackson is the hot. I don't want that. That's the one that's floating around. So if you give him Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill with his rushing ability and the mind of Mike McDaniel, then it's you know you love that one. And he's from Florida. Um, it's kind of a natural fit and Miami's been kind of, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, and that would certainly be an upgrade from, from Tua. Uh, so I think that you still go Lamar. I say that kind of like if I had a Lamar team and you offered me Justin Fields plus, you could probably talk me into making the trade, but I think that Lamar is just a cleaner profiler. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you can get Fields plus for Lamar, I'd, I'd do that. Guys, anything, uh, Sean? I agree with Tom completely. I, I, I've been saying since before the year that I think he's not going to be in Baltimore next year. I think it's extremely unlikely. I think everything that Baltimore has done, you know, sh- kind of shows their hand that they're not, they're not planning on keeping him. I don't think it makes sense for where their, their organization, their, you know, the franchise direction is. So I think he's going to end up somewhere else. And I think like Tom said, there are some fascinating, fascinating spots that he could wind up in um, that could make him extremely, extremely good right away. I think a sneaky, interesting spot for him is Tampa. Like, if Brady retires, mm. put him in mm. that one. I didn't even think of that one. Was, I like that. Uh, you, you know, you, you start firing on situations like that, which is really, really spicy. Obviously, I think Miami's the spiciest answer. I think Miami, putting him in Miami's office, that's disgusting. That's, you know, horrific for me as, as a Bills fan. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's still Lamar for me, but it's close. Fields, the ceiling for Fields is, is outrageous because his rush, he's as good or better than Lamar running the ball currently for me. So it's, he has some insane ceiling. Nick, Nick is that a 49ers hat that you're wearing? No, it's a Sabres hat. No, oh, it's a Sabres hat. hat. I was going to say, don't say, don't say to the 49ers, Lamar. Come on. Yeah, I guess I'm the contrarian on this one. I think I'm Fields on this. I don't know. Obviously, the landing spot's going to be important. Like, I, I think Tampa Bay was a really good example, Sean. That would be probably, outside of Miami, the next best option. So if he goes there, that's probably, man, that's probably enough. But I would, I'd be looking to sell Lamar for Fields Plus. Like, if you can get another second rounder, or if it's super flex, if you can get another one, I'd sign up for that right now. No problem. Dan, to you. Dan? I, I'm going to neatly Sorry. dance around giving an actual answer by bringing up uh, a, a team. That... <laughs> I, I have a dynasty team that I had Lamar Jackson and uh, Justin Fields on. That was a team that uh, it, it's a rebuild. So, you know, I just I'd, I'd taken Fields and I, I still wasn't quite there. So I traded, um, offered them both out in trade. I got a taker on Lamar Jackson. So I traded Lamar Jackson, Chris Olave for Kyler Murray, Kadarius Tony, a first and a second. What so, first? Twenty twenty three. Yeah, twenty twenty three first, twenty twenty three second. And Kadarius how is that early? And, early, mid, late. Um, probably midish, I would say. Okay. So yeah, so you downgraded quarterback and got another. Other yeah, but I, you know, I still have cut. I, I, I still yeah. have. Um, yeah, it's fields, not that so, much. Not yeah. that much of a downgrade down to Kyler. Yeah, exactly. And I still have Fields. You know, so it, you know, and yeah. the way I'm looking at it is, I can still trade off either Kyler or Fields and still feel pretty good about quarterback. 
yeah. you know, yeah. and still grab more assets. But this was kind of the deal that was open to me. Hated trading away Olave, but with the first and the second on a rebuild, felt like yeah. it was worth it. Hold on real quick, guys. Are we going Vegas or Philly? We already talked about Oh, we put Vegas on. Vegas, Vegas is in here. Uh, in, in, in chat. In chat. <laughs> no, Full no, circle. Full Noah's circle. Noah's correct. You would tag him and trade him. Like I said, let him yep. walk. That was a little dramatic. You wouldn't just take him for nothing. Yeah. The flip side yeah, of that, though, is Lamar doesn't need to play. I know it will cost him money, but like if you tag him and he's not happy about it, he doesn't have to play for you. Like he doesn't. Yeah. What do you guys think? Vegas versus Philly. Defense. What, which one are you playing? I'm using Vegas in a few spots, but I think that I would still use Philly if I if I if I had the option. Philly has not allowed a QB one week at all this season. Philly hasn't allowed one QB one week, so I just think that they're they're locked in and there's potential for they've, turnovers. And they've also had a really suspect schedule though too. They're, yeah, it's been pretty weak for like the whole year. It feels like, doesn't it? Thank you, Tiger. I have a bunch of teams where I have Philly and Seattle defense, and it's it's a tough call this week. I, I say it's a good matchup, a really good one. Yeah, I was gonna say it's close between LA and, and and Philly, but I just look at going against Barkley and going against Acres, and then going against the other weapons in LA versus New York. I'll, I'll take I'll take Vegas. I hate to say it, but I'll take Vegas this week. I don't know. Don't ask me, man. Ask Dan. Me with start sits, just out the door. <laughs> Ask me any other aspect of fantasy except for <laughs> Philly. Philly isn't a particularly aggressive defense either. I mean, they're on the very much the right side of turnover differential earlier in the year, but they sit back and play cover too. Like most over under is similar too. Right. One's forty one and a half. The other one's forty five with Philly. So it's it's going to be a, sh- a lower scoring game either way. Champagne yeah. problems, guys. They're all going to be top. Champagne problems. Rich yeah. problems. Guys, <laughs> this, you know, this has been awesome, that, man. Last week we had Philly and Cleveland though, and you know. We know the oh, story don't that. One, so. <laughs> Defensive performance of the year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the multiple defenses paying off. See, that's that's a good problem to have, guys. This has been a blast, guys. I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna jump off and get set for the uh, for the game. I'll be dropping this tonight, so it'll be uh, fresh tomorrow morning on the in the podcast realm. But thanks for jumping on, guys. We'd love to get you guys back on maybe in the off season. We'd love to. Thanks Thank for having so us. Much for thanks, us. guys. Have a great good night, luck. everybody. Good luck in the right. fantasy streets. Boy. You Thanks, guys. You too, man. You, you too. You too. Take care. Great having you guys. See you at the table, Sean. Yeah, see you there. <laughs>